Hello, welcome to our podcast for Gender and the Environment. My name is Amanda Craig. My major is Environmental Studies, and I am a freshman. Hi, I am Axel Morrow. My major is Interdisciplinary Studies with a focus of Life Sciences and Social Sciences, and I'm a senior. Hi, I'm Alexis Vizovati, and my major is Environmental Studies, and I will be graduating next semester, 2021. Hi, I'm Savannah Jenkins. I'm double majoring political science and environmental studies, and I am a second year. Okay, so today we are going to talk about critiques of ecofeminism. So my fellow people here, how would you define ecofeminism in your own words? So ecofeminism literally brings the field of environmental issues and political issues and feminism together and how they are interrelated. Um, I'll add to that and just say that I've always regarded as ecofeminism as a bridge between ecological concerns and feminist concerns um, with also an acknowledgement that a lot of these issues kind of stem from male domination of society or like a patri- patriarchal structure within society. I like that. Alexis? Yeah, I would say the same thing. When I first like started reading about it, I was thinking of just like environmental and like feminist movement kind of combined into one. Yeah, I like that. I would say the same thing. Like it's definitely the connection between women and feminism issues, maybe just feminism in general, and environmentalism issues and environmentalism. And that, of course, overlaps and intersects with other things, but the main issue is like feminism and ecology, and that's probably where the the name yeah. comes from. So for this podcast episode about the critiques of ecofeminism, we're going to go over a few different things like non-traditional women, the dualism, essentialism, the idea of the utopia, and gender biases within environmentalism. So who wants to kick us off? I can start with a quote from one of the critiques of ecofeminism that we had to read by Anne Archambault, if I didn't butcher that name. Um, She quoted a woman, Catherine Roach, who said, the question, are women closer to nature, is misleading. In no way can anyone be closer to nature than any other being or thing, because through the inextricable implication of all in an environmental web of interconnection, all is already and equally natural. That is a part of nature. And I felt like that was really important because um, the whole goal of feminism is to not pin men or women as superior to the other. We're supposed to be equal. So what do you guys think about that as far as the way that ecofeminism portrays itself in some of its writing and theories? I think that's actually very interesting because this is going to um, also define or this is also going to uh, help when we're talking about dualism and how um, basically we always think um, when it comes to these problems such as ecology and environment, there's always see men taking actions without necessarily providing the correct solutions without um, thinking about the repercussion that it can have on everybody. And given the fact that the society is mostly governed by men in farming, there's a lot of people that suffers from that. Going off of what Savannah said, Um, Looking back at the article, there's a quote and it says, a number of women exhibit what might be regarded as masculine traits, while a number of men exhibit what might be considered feminine characteristics. Mm -hmm. So I think that like 
kind of like opened my eyes a little bit like if men have feminine traits are they in the same category with women or are men you know like vice versa so how can we exclude one from the other like when we should be balancing both of them into like one a lot of what i was thinking about while reading some of this is um john muir the famous naturalist actually always was quoted saying that nature has intrinsic value outside of what it can provide to humans. Um, so we look at nature, not we necessarily, but man looks at nature and says, you know, what can this provide for me? Or this is something to preserve as far as still being able to pro provide these essential services and go through these processes that still benefit us. And then we look at gender and say, you know, who's more connected to nature? Women is usually the presumed one because of our natural biological processes. But I think as society progresses and we begin to become more aware of the fact that gender is a construct and sex is something that is biologically based, um, it starts to see that, we start to see that we're kind of putting ourselves in these categories. And really the only thing that separates man and women is just biological processes and just certain things that our bodies go through. It's not as far as your spirit is concerned. So if you're looking at nature with this intrinsic value that we're supposed to have a spiritual connection to, wouldn't we all then be a part of nature and, you know, divinely connected to nature because it's not about gender roles or gender stereotypes. It's just about what is within. So I feel like that's kind of important when looking at the critiques of ecofeminism because so much of it is, of course, appealing to women because the feminist aspect, but that needs to be gender neutral because we're all inherently connected. Wow. Yeah, I agree. I think it like women, like the whole women connected with nature, like some aspects I get. And I think it's awesome if anyone is connected to nature and we shouldn't take away from that. But we shouldn't be categorized, like you said, like, into, like, what you are expected to be. Or, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I follow. I was thinking more along the lines of how, in terms of the critique of ecofeminism, I agree that, like, one gender shouldn't be better than the other. And I feel like we come from such a competitive society where, because there's, like, this thing and that thing, one has to be better than the other. Like, mm -hmm. hot or cold, like, oh, hot is so much better, like, this and that. But one's not necessarily better than the other they're just different and so I think that it depends on the circumstance as well because I like a hot shower but I like cold ice cream you know so I think you can apply that to like ecofeminism and stuff and sure it's fair to critique and say that ecofeminism might have the a type of misandrist view where women are better but I don't always see it that way I see that ecofeminism is that there's a connection there and that there's a similar oppression which we'll get to later but I don't necessarily see the same way that these authors do and that women are better I don't necessarily see that same level what do you think XL? Well um, following the thing that you said, it's more like um, how each gender complement each other in terms and how each gender can bring something to the table to resolve these issues that we're um, dealing with. And I was about to, um, when Savannah talked, she was talking about how there's always these extremes. And when you're talking about ecofeminism, it basically involves two major issues. It involves this, um, the environment, which is basically nature versus nurture and it involves women. Why does it involve women and feminism in general? It's because um, basically 
women are usually seen or usually stereotyped or categorized as more sensitive, as more as weaker than men. So technically, when you're when somebody um, hears the term ecofeminism, they're gonna basically think, oh, maybe it's something not not very important because it has to do with women. So women are usually seen as sensitive and stuff like that, and the environment and all that. So they're gonna basically be like, it doesn't, re- it's not really important when you, but when you're looking at the issue, just like she said, it's not about um what um how women are superior to men in terms of dealing with the um environmental issues it's about how they can contribute to solving them if that makes sense yeah i follow so next we'll talk about this idea of the dualism within ecofeminism and why that can be an issue there's this cognitive dissonance that can happen within ecofeminism and that's where a lot of critique comes from uh kind of like how we said earlier with the biology and such the whole issue with this cognitive dissonance and dualism is that there's the reliance on the two sides so women are naturally closer to nature because of the biology and they're closer to nature because of social norms and this cause causes that cognitive dissonance um and it's like we said earlier no gender should really be superior but are women closer because of the biology but shouldn't not one be better than the other and it kind of causes this clash when when you think about it a lot because it just doesn't totally add up what are your guys' thoughts on it um i definitely see a lot of the dualism just within reading a lot of ecofeminism work and research so this didn't really come as a surprise to me when it was identified as a critique um i was kind of expecting it but i definitely agree that it causes this great cognitive dissonance because you know we're striving to erase like you said this divide between men and women especially within these environmental issues but then also trying to put this forefront of that women are so connected to nature but as i said previously you know you can see this connection from human to nature within both men and women and I definitely think so much of it stems from gender stereotypes and gender norms and these roles that each gender, you know, in various societies are put in and supposed to fulfill that, you know, aids to whatever the generally patriarchal structure is expecting. So I, I definitely would say that these norms are a big cause of the issues within the dualism. And I, I think it's an important critique to acknowledge. Yeah, I mean, we all, like, we're all born and we all die. And I think that was, like, something that, like, we all, that's nature. Like, we all experience that. In terms of dualism and ecofeminism, I feel like the main purpose of that is to um, basically abolish the idea that these two that are oppressed are not important, if that makes sense. And how did this um, idea originate is because of the patriarchal um, society that was based on sexism, racism, and all of that. So basically, it's a, it's a product. Um, ecofeminism is, can be considered as a result of the product of many years of patriarchy. So in its main idea is to dismantle the idea that nature that is basically seen as being inferior or lesser than society, and women that are basically seen as, as a lesser gender, are not important and don't have their place and they should be treated equally or complementarily. I agree. So now we'll talk about essentialism because this has ties to dualism. 
So essentialism in ecofeminism goes beyond the shared oppression of nature and women by man to suggest that it is women's affinity with nature, their shared role as mother and carer of the Earth's population, and that qualifies them more directly to speak on nature's behalf. Do you guys share similar thoughts? I don't necessarily. I would definitely argue that this is an imperative notion because women should be separated from the image of always being caretakers and always having these nurturing abilities. Um, and I want to say that this was talked about in the page of critiques of ecofeminism that Sharon posted. Basically, it's discussing how by enforcing this, we're kind of putting an obligation on women to take control and like feel responsible for the environment when not everyone does and that is okay like not everyone can just jump to the front line and say like hey i'm ready to combat all these issues because i'm connected to nature and i'm a woman like and we're, we can't reinforce this because then it's going to only continue that men are going to look at us and say well you know you're more connected to nature you make babies so you should save the planet like i think it's just constantly feeding into this divide and view of women and I definitely think that it shouldn't. I agree. I agree. I mean just like going off like I don't think that women should carry that like that shouldn't be a thing like women shouldn't have to save the planet earth like this is a group effort and we all as a group like we did this to like all the environmental issues that we're suffering from are because of all of us not just a gender and not a group of people. This is a, a you know, so I don't know. Yeah, to quote Sharon from what she said in her um, writing, she said, there is a risk that enveloping environmental ethics and a conceptual framework built on feminine ideals will leave a greater bur burden on women to do the work of environmentalism. And that's kind of what I was trying to like encapture in my mess of words that I said. Yeah, technically there's no, um there's no theory or there's no innate um, way of being for a woman, as in there's no bio, um, there's no justification when men say that women biologically or inherently or naturally, they're made to, um, they're made to care about open nature. There's no such thing. It's just something that, it's just an idea that was enforced or um, that was thought to us for a long time. And then it just kind of sticks. And the goal is to basically try to separate ourselves from that. I think that also ties back to like the non-traditional women too, because this is like that whole view is we're inherently connected to nature. Like there's a lot of women that don't necessarily have these characteristics that the, you know, picture perfect woman would have that's connected to nature. Like, you know, breastfeeding or making babies, like women are infertile. So if the whole argument is that we're connected to nature because we can carry a child and bring a child into this world and you know nurture it like not all women can do that so what is to be said about those women and their connection to nature or their obligation to society as far as environmental issues go yeah it's some it's like it's sort of a weapon of defeminizing the woman because i'm not like this because i'm not caring i don't have the nurturing body a bone in my body Therefore, I must not be good enough. That's a good point. Yeah, I'd say that's definitely a fair, fair critique of ecofeminism because there are uh, non-traditional women and such, like we we talked about earlier. And are they less valid of, as a woman and all that stuff? 
But this also ties into our other point of gender biases and environmentalism. So enveloped in gender biases and environmentalism is this idea that, oh, because women are tend to be mothers and tend to be more caring, does that mean they also have to care for the earth? And does that mean all the responsibility should fall on women for that? And this is another critique of ecofeminism, is that it kind of takes the pressure off of men. There's another critique in there that ecofeminism can invalidate men um, mm -hmm. for similar reasons. But a big thing is that ecofeminism can tend to cause further gender biases and gender splits within environmentalism. So let's talk about that. That's actually very interesting. But on that note, what I was about to point out is the fact that although they say that ecofeminism somehow invalidated men's um, hard work and stuff like this, when you're looking at it, it's not even about invalidating. It's about actually trying to give a voice to the ones that don't have a voice, if that makes sense. Okay. Because for long, when you're looking at the history, when you're looking at politics, the history, the history of politics, women never had a sit on the table in the table when it comes to important matters right and now we're facing very important social um, environmental issues climate change the ozone layer of the earth is basically depleting and stuff like this the um the rises of the ocean the glaciers that are melting and stuff like that these are very important issues and for so long all we heard were um solutions that were brought up by men but we've never heard, um, we've never seen conferences that are led by both men and women that are coming together um, to actually provide a solution for it. It's always about what men can think, what men think it's good, what men think, okay, this is going to work, we should do this, we should do that. And when you're looking at the plans they're always proposing, you don't even see a concrete plan in which they actually take into account how this might affect us in the future how this might affect how we're functioning as a society, how this might affect how um, um, the industries like oil industries or um, thing, private sectors and stuff like that. You don't see all of that. You just see, some, you just see um, a bunch of men coming together, scribbling something down and just calling it a day. Whereas if more men were brought into the table, maybe you would actually see that people, um, that both parties are thinking about it intrinsically as in coming together and seeing the impact that everything, every decision could have in the future and every, how it's going to impact us now and in the future, if that makes sense. Yeah, good point. I think that's really ironic too. Um, it's like, it's a good point to bring up, but it also just only emphasizes the irony to me because like you said, like we see men as the leaders of these issues, yet we're also, women are also used as a scapegoat for them because then they, and, in turn look at us and say well you're a woman like you said you're supposed to be a mother to the earth and you're supposed to care for earth because you're a woman but they also want to take control so there's like this no balance of power or thought anywhere and in my eyes i just truly see it as social construct of gender roles because like you even brought up about men's like spending habits and sustainable um, behaviors is completely based upon gender roles. They don't want to do anything that makes them appear to be feminine and women are expected to do nothing that makes them appear to be masculine. And I think it's just like this huge drive between those two that causes all of these issues. Yet it's like, they want you to have a voice, but to an extent. 
you're allowed to have a seat in the table, but only if you're gonna agree with what we're gonna say. You're not gonna, uh, you're not gonna say anything that could affect our egos as men, because essentially, eventually, you need to realize that we're the one dominating you and not the other way around. We cannot work or cohabitate together as genders. Right. It does not make sense. Oh yeah, Alexis, any thoughts? No, I mean, I definitely it's like a good point and like. How Savannah said it's like we're not supposed to be they say we're connected to nature and then we get into that role of basically being connected to nature like they're what we're saying that's not right we're doing so I think it's a definitely a good point to bring up okay well the last bit we're going to talk about here is the idea of ecofeminism as a utopia and it's how ecofeminism is maybe challenging or not challenging enough so my perspective on this was that when I first read this articles saying how ecofeminism is a utopia, I was thinking about the original idea of utopia written a long time ago where it was supposed to be a fantasy world and it's supposed to not be attainable. And so I was interpreting this as ecofeminism is not attainable. It's like a fantasy world. You can dream, but it's not realistic and it probably won't like come true, at least without lots of reform. Um, However, there has been notes that uh, ecofeminism is, it doesn't go far enough. It needs to be more challenging. So how do we, how do you guys compare that idea of utopia to needing to be more challenging? Um, In terms of that, I would say that um, for ecofeminism to actually become some sort of reality, we would have to have more research or more funds um, that are dedicated to um, ecofeminism. We would have to have um, people um, willing to research, people willing to actually come together, academically speaking, politically speaking, bringing it up at important tables and conversations and stuff like that. But since we know that this is not going to happen because, I mean, look at it. We've been battling for, battling for gender equality in the workforce since forever and even nowadays we still come to women get paid less than men. even nowadays being a male is a privilege over being a woman it's like when you're when you're a woman it, you're cursed in the well um the way this um, society is built so ecofeminism yes it can be seen as utopia because the ideal version of utopia, the ideal reality that we're striving for in the current reality, they just don't match. And the bridge to actually connect these two, I don't think anybody's, I don't think anybody's gonna, any man in power is gonna want to um, bring it together because that means that it will just reverse the status quo, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely think of it as like a fictional like scenario. And like, I feel like also, people have different ideas of utopias, you know? So, like, that's where I kind of, like, been thinking about this and, like, how we are so controlled by, like, politics. And I think that's, like, good points, like, we brought up how, like, important policy is. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of, like, a utopia, like, you, like I think of, like, oh, it's just going to be, like, like, very, like, high end, a lot of money, like, power. And, like, I just don't think that's, like, a thing that could happen or would happen. Exactly. And given the fact that women are not inherently as caring as they want us to be, what makes us think that when women do get empowered, things are not going to go worse, if that makes sense. 
So instead of becoming a utopia, it would become a dystopia. That's a good point. Because if you've seen a woman in power, they can be harder and harsher than men. Mm-hmm. So it all depends. But do they have to be harsher to combat male, men's ego, or do they, are they harsher just because they're seen as bitches? Well, they're seen as bitches because they're harsher. And why are they harsher? It's because in order to gain men's respect, they have to basically be imposing, very imposing. Mm-hmm. And that intimidates men most of the time. What do you think, Savannah? Um, just kind of going back to the utopia aspect and relating that to how ecofeminism isn't necessarily challenging enough. As one of the articles we read, the one that said, what's wrong with ecofeminism? Um, the author kind of argues that utopian, like her perspective on utopian or like the definition of a utopian society is that it's kind of providing like an alternative perspective to the status quo or to like the general structure of society. And I think she was comparing ecofeminism to a utopia and saying that it also in turn should be more challenging because in some ways ecofeminism isn't being challenging enough by trying to conform to what's already here and trying to like weasel its way into a patriarchal society um, and also trying to still appease men while still trying to get our point across. And I think that it would prove to be more challenging if it just didn't try to conform to the status quo, if it just tried to break those societal norms and just kind of sit right on top of it, you know, like just kind of add all of our ideals and say like, here it is, this is what it is, and like, this is how it's going to be. So I think that's a really strong way of how ecofeminism could prove to be more challenging. Hmm. Thinking about like we were uh, saying that like if women took control, like had more power, do you think it would like reverse ecofeminism to like the point where like like men were suffering and like women were in charge, like if it was like flipped? Or do you think that it would be like more of a balance if women had more power and eventually possibly took over power over men politically? I don't think men would allow that. Like because we already struggle so much to just try to be equal, like, I don't know, like, they would allow that. Well, I think that, I agree that we already struggle so much, so would it even happen? Yeah. I just feel like, I think we need to see a woman in power in order for a message to fully be conveyed. But at the same time, I don't think it's necessarily going to take a man or a woman. Like, I don't think that there's any particular option that is going to change things. I think it's just going to take the right person to change things, the right person to see the perspective of gender neutral and to see the perspective of equality. I just think that whether it's a man, a woman, or a non-binary person, like someone has to get up there and say, like, it's not about men and it's not about women. It's about everyone. And, like, I just, I don't, in my eyes, I've never, like, imagined a woman getting into power and, like, everything is magically solved for everyone. Like, like, I just think that even if women's oppression is reduced, which it should be, and I do think a woman needs to get into power as far as that is concerned, when it comes to reaching equality, I just don't think there's any, like, perfect person or any particular person. Like, I just try to see it as someone has to come along that's not going to see in the eyes of appealing to one gender. It just needs to appeal to everyone. I have a question based on that. Based on that, how do you think that equal feminism 
could relate or could benefit from the so, um, current social, um, political climate with Donald Trump and his um, appointed vice president? I think it's going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think we're going backwards. Like, I feel like we fought so hard for like, like, I don't know, just like so much equality stuff. And I feel like we're going backwards now. Like there's, there's definitely no conversation of moving forward in yeah. this current administration. I think everything we've seen thus far is just regression. Like any topics of like change is something to take away what we already have. There's no conversation as far as like moving forward for women or providing more rights and more equality for women. Like you don't see things on the table like the wage gap. You're seeing abortion rights and like birth control. You're not seeing anything that's progressive for women. So I don't think in this current political climate, anything regarding ecofeminism is going to improve or like really take movement farther than it has. I concur. Okay, so today we have talked about non-traditional women's role in ecofeminism, the dualism that exists and cognitive dissonance within ecofeminism, essentialism and its ties to that dualism, the utopia ideal and the challenging parts of ecofeminism, as well as the gender biases and environmentalism gender issues in ecofeminism. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us today. Once again, my name is Amanda. Axel. Alexis. Savannah. Thank you so much, and we hope you have a great day. Bye. Bye. Works referenced in this article today include A Critique of Ecofeminism by Anne Archambault, The Canadian Women's Studies from 1993, as well as What's Wrong with Ecofeminism by Lucy Sargesson, then environmental politics from 2001, additionally with comments by our professor Sharon Woodall, 2020. Thank you.